Good morning. It's good to continue to gather together uh, in the Gospel of Mark and to look at the life of Jesus and to see like some of the awesome things that he's already done. We're going to finish chapter 1, and we've been there for quite some time, so this is pretty exciting. Um, 15 more to go after today, but it's really sweet to be able to continue to see this king that's come. And on Palm Sunday, what better day to look at the king, the servant king, the one who's coming, and his whole purpose is to lay down his life and to be a ransom for many. And so this morning, we had to see uh, that in a very personal story and account of the leper who comes to Jesus, and we get to look forward to the rest of this week, to Good Friday, where our Savior, the King, comes and He lays down everything. He humbles Himself. He's broken. He's beaten. He's killed for us. He takes the punishment that was due us on Himself. And then next Sunday, we get to gather again together and celebrate the fact that that wasn't the end of the story. That was just just a, a small portion of it. The reality that he rose from the dead and defeated sin and death is huge, and it changes everything. This morning, we get to continue to walk through these things together, and we get to see what Jesus does in his empathy and his compassion. Like a compassionate king, that's good news. That's something that's different from what we have seen. That's something different from what the the Jewish church in Rome is experiencing with Nero as their emperor and these other emperors. They... They don't feel compassion coming from their king. And so Mark has set a lot to this to establish that this is the one that they have all waited for. He is the authority. He is the king. He is the healer. He is the one who has power over the demons and can cast them out. He is the one that when when he goes and he's baptized, the heavens open and they hear a voice and he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. We've seen all of that. In this first chapter of Mark, and all of it is to point and say, hey, this is the one. This is the Son of God, the God-man, fully God and fully man. And that's what we need. So this morning, we press into that as we look at Jesus cleansing the leper. There's three things that I really want us to see as we walk through this passage together. The first one is, is just the audacity of the believer, okay, like like, this is crazy that the leper would come and would, and would come to Jesus and be close to Jesus, knowing that he was unclean. The second thing is we want to see the compassion of the Christ as he responds to that belief. The Redeemer comes and he makes what was unclean, clean. And thirdly, we want to kind of ask the question of, well, what about this part at the end where he tells them not to go and, and talk about it? That doesn't seem... Like, that makes much sense, right? Like, if you just did this awesome thing, wouldn't you want people to talk about it? But the reality is that this is one small thing on the mission of Christ to make a people who are unclean clean. Not a person, but a people, his bride. And that includes all of us, and that's good news today. So let's pray and ask that God would just make that clear in our hearts this morning. God, we've already confessed that we need you. God, I need you. God, I need you to to be able to convey the truth of your gospel to my own heart and to to our hearts together. And we need you. We need your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and open our ears that we would hear it. And it would be good news. God, we need you this morning. And Lord, the people in our lives, our community needs you. 
Because they need to hear us with conviction and with worship, praising a God who has saved and made clean what was unclean. God, we need you. God, and we can pray this prayer with confidence. We can sing the song with confidence. Because you long for your glory to be displayed in your church. God, you long for us to be the proclaimers of your good news. And so when we ask out of need, you meet that need. And we thank you that the greatest need that we've had, that we have, has been met in Jesus. God, open our eyes. Give us ears to hear, Lord. And as this proclamation goes throughout the world today, God, would you save? Would there be those that have heard it for the first time and it would change their lives forever? Would you be with those who have heard it for the hundred thousandth time? And would you change their lives? God, so Lord, we know that this good news is not a one-time good news, but it's an every day, every hour, every minute good news. So we thank you for it, Lord. Trust you that you are, are doing these things for your bride. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you can't tell, I'm a little excited this morning. Like, in my prep this week, um, looking at what Jesus did with the leper has just created this idea of, of beauty, of majesty, of seeing the compassion of the Christ. So let's look at it together. We're going to walk through uh, just verse by verse. But the, the first verse says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. That's a, that's a bold statement. It's a bold statement for a lot of reasons. First off, we need to understand what leprosy is. We need to understand what does it mean that a leper came to him. Um, in this time, leprosy was a skin disease, and it could be one of a lot of different skin diseases. They've all been kind of clumped in together to be, to be called leprosy. But in the Old Testament, right, in the Torah, there's, a, there's two chapters uh, over a hundred verses that talk about what it means that if you contract leprosy, that you, ha- you have to go through ritual cleanliness and you are ostracized and you are cast out and you lose all identity because you're, you're not allowed to be with your family anymore. You can't be with people who are, who are not leprous, so they would create these leper colonies where people would go and be together. But the leprosy was this disease and it was a debilitating disease. And it would show up on the skin, but it would affect the nervous system. And so they would, they would deteriorate slowly, but it would get to the point where they couldn't feel things. And so the, the real problem of leprosy couldn't, was not necessarily what it would do to them, but what it could cause to be done, because they wouldn't feel if they grabbed something that was hot and burning, they were numb to it, and it would just burn them. Or they wouldn't feel if they hit something and, and if, if they cut themselves and the different things that would happen because they, that's what leprosy did. It numbed them and it, and it would slowly deteriorate their body and cause other secondary issues. And it was a big deal to be a leper. You would be, like we talked about, cast out of whatever community you were in. And there were rules. They, they, they had to cover their face, cover the bottom of their face, and they had to continually say, unclean, 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 because everybody around you knew that this is huge. The community was bigger than the individual in this society. 
right? So the one individual would sacrifice their pride, their sense of well-being, by yelling unclean, unclean for the greater good of the body so that they would not contract leprosy because it was highly contagious. Anything that they touched had to be burned. Anything that they wore had to be burned. If, they, if you found out that they were, they were a leper, it was done. Like they were done. They were cast out of society. And so all of this happens, and here... We don't even have the person's name. We don't have any description because his sole identity was a leper. He's a leper. He's unclean. And he comes. And he came to him. That's key. Like, you couldn't come to someone who was unclean. The, the law, which they live by, not like we live by the law that says, hey, drive 75, or drive 70, and we do 75. No, like, not like that law. I'm talking like the real law that they lived by said that you could not come close to a leper. And if a leper came close to you, they were wrong. This leper, he sees Jesus. He's heard about Jesus, probably from some of the things we've heard about. The skies opened up. Somebody says, this is my son, right? He found out that, hey, he cast out demons. That's a big deal. He healed, the, he healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. That's a big deal. Maybe he can heal me. And so this leper takes the biggest risk of his life and comes to Jesus and approaches him. And he approaches him with both a posture of humility but a posture of belief. He kneels before him and says, it says that he implores him and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. There's no doubt in this man's mind that this is the Son of God. That he can change my whole world. He can restore to me everything that I've lost. He can give me what, I can, what I've only longed for. We don't know how long he's been a leper. Could be weeks. Could be that he's still, he's, he's in that, you know, He's been exposed, right? It could be that. So he's in that trial period where he's trying to figure out. There was a seven-day period where, there, where they were, would test to see if it was truly leprosy. We know a little bit about that with COVID. Like when you're exposed, everything kind of comes to a stop. You have to treat, treat everybody as, well, they've got it until it's proven that they don't. Same thing with the leper. Or maybe he's been living with this for decades. We don't know. But it doesn't matter. He just knows that there is one that I've heard about. And if I can just get to him, he can make me clean. He can change my whole world. And so he comes and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. The, the issue was not a matter of ability. The issue was a matter of willingness. He's testing and, 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 and asking, are you compassionate? Will you heal me? Will you change me? Will you make me clean? The ability was not in question. It was simply, God, will you do it? And then we see the beautiful picture of the compassion of the Redeemer, the compassion of the Christ. Listen, it says, move with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. I will be clean.
Jesus moved with pity. Listen, we can get caught up in like this big gospel story, which is, which is the story, right? The idea that Jesus came to redeem fallen men by his gospel work on the cross to save sinners like you and I. But then we look and we see his life and he saw the individual every time. He would, he would look on them with compassion. So as we think about, oh, God's saving the church. Yes, and he's saving you. And he's saving me individually. Can we rest in that tension where, it's, where we don't get all caught up in like just me and Jesus? No, he's saving a people. He's saving his church and his bride. But we also don't want to get caught up in like he's doing this big thing and he doesn't really care about me. No, it says moved with pity. Moved with compassion. He feels his heart breaks. One of the, uh, one of the translations says that he's, he get, he's indignant. And I was like, why is he indignant? That doesn't make sense. Like he's angry at this leper and then he goes and heals him anyway. That doesn't make No, he's indignant that there's brokenness. Because that's not the way that he, in the beginning, with the Father, had created the world. It was perfect. It was whole. We had right relationship with God and we had right relationship with each other. And he looks at the leopard and he says, this is broken. You don't have right relationship with God and you definitely don't have right relationship with people. And so he's indignant and he's moved with compassion and pity. And what does he do? What does he do about that? He's the only one that can do anything. The leopard believes it. And Jesus says, I will be clean. And then he reaches out. Before, before he says it, he reaches out his hand and he touches him. Man. Like the, the leper took a big risk coming to Jesus. But Jesus here is changing the whole dynamic of what we believe about unclean and clean. Because until this point, if anything that was clean touched something unclean, they became unclean. Period. If someone in, in society, in the Jewish society, came and touched something that was, that was unclean or had any contact with even a question mark of uncleanliness, they were treated as unclean. All the way through, looking from the beginning of the establishing of the temple, the tabernacle, all the way through to this time, to this moment, if something unclean touched something clean, they were both unclean. But Isaiah prophesied. Remember, we, we use that prayer of confession quite often in Isaiah 6 where he says, the angel came and he took the coal and he touched the coal to my lips and my lips that were unclean became clean. But that's prophecy. But here Jesus is doing it. Jesus that is clean, that is righteous, that is holy, that is perfect touches one who is imperfect, who is unclean, and he makes them clean. That's huge. That flips their whole idea of clean and unclean upside down, just like he's already flipped their whole idea of, of healing upside down and how he's cast out demons because he's bigger and stronger and mightier and more powerful than anything else. This is the Jesus that has come. This is the king with authority. And he has authority even over the law because he, it's his law. 
And he has called what is unclean and touched it and made it clean. And then he says, I will be clean. Be clean. Man, that's huge. That's huge. If we can get that, like, like how many things do we think are unclean? How many times do we think that we are unclean? We look at our lives, we look at the sin, and we doubt the truth of God's word. But he has said, I will be clean to you. If you are in Christ, if you have that same belief that the, that the leper had, he said, listen, I know that you can do it. I know that you can make me clean. It's only a matter of if you will. And he says, I will. He says that same thing for us today. He says the same thing for our neighbor, if they would believe. A neighbor who might be struggling with some, some huge things that we don't know how to, how to fix or how to, how to work for them. But we have a God who does and who will. I will be clean. He has moved with compassion and pity for us and for them. That's got to change the way that we live. It's got to change the way that we speak. It's got to change the way that we think. We talked about it last week, him seeing Simon Peter's mother-in-law and, and, and being moved like he is fully human. He's fully compassionate. He loves the people around him. Do we love the people around us? Do we love them enough to, to not only have compassion, but then to move and do something about it? Not that we can fix that, but we have a God who has. And if we say that we're following Jesus like the disciples say, when he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, and we say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, then our lives need to look like his. Our hearts need to look like his. The compassion and pity that we have needs to look like the compassion and pity of the Christ, the Redeemer. This is the great reversal. What was unclean has become clean by the only one who can do it. And that's huge. That's exciting. But then he doesn't finish there, right? That's not it. He goes and he tells the leper, and he says, go to the priest. In 43, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Jesus tells him, hey, Go and see the priest. Because Jesus didn't, didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled the law. So there's still a walking in obedience that this leper not has to do. He gets to walk in obedience. He's invited to participate so that he can realize the cost of what Jesus just did. Leviticus 13 and 14. These are the two chapters I was talking about that talk all about leprosy. Leviticus 14, this is after, this is the cleansing of the leper. So I just want you to read this, and I want you to hear this. You don't necessarily have to turn there and follow along. It's a, it's a little bit of a longer passage, but I want you to listen to it. Leviticus 14.1 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then, if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him 
who is to be cleansed, two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird and the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water and he shall be clean. And after that he may come into the camp but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair. And then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. Listen, the reality of what Jesus has done is is so amazing that if a leper was healed, they would bring sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving to God to say, God, you have done this, and it was costly. Listen, not everybody could afford these, these birds. You keep reading on it. It required lamb sacrifices, and those were expensive. They were costly. You see, it's only the beginning of the process. The process of being pronounced clean by the priest is complex and costly. But Jesus had just pronounced, the great high priest had just pronounced that this man was clean, and he wanted him to realize the cost of it. And so he encourages him to go to the priest and walk through this, offering these sacrifices, knowing that this cost somebody. Cost somebody something to restore him. But the cost is worth it, right? This this leper is, is having everything restored to him. Everything is being redeemed to him. His health, his feeling. Imagine not being able to feel anything, not being able to feel a hug, even if you could get it. He's had his health restored. He's had feeling restored. He's had his relationships restored. They're invited back into the city to live. He's invited back into community. All the things that had been lost have been restored to them by Jesus. Jesus is pointing and saying, this is what it cost for me to say, I will be clean. All of this is given back to him so that he can worship. Right? This, this offering and sacrifice in the temple is our, is, was the people's act of worship. It was how they communicated to God, you are worthy, you are holy, you are beautiful, you are good. And so that's that invitation. Giving up what is valuable and costly so that we can worship our God. That's what the, that's what the leper is now invited into by Jesus. He's already got the healing and Jesus is saying, now I'm inviting you into something even better. The worship of me. So why does he tell him not to tell weird. Leviticus 14, 19 and 20 gives a little bit, bit of a hint. It says, the priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanliness, and afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. This idea of atonement is huge. You see, Jesus is the great high priest. 
And He's come to make atonement. He points to this other priest and says, hey, go, go see the priest. He will make atonement for this healing. But Jesus is coming to make atonement for all of us, for His bride, for all of our sin, for all of our uncleanness. He is coming to atone for that. And so when we read that the high priest would atone for the sins, we look to Jesus and we see that He has come. And so when He tells the leper, don't tell anybody, just walk in obedience here, Jesus knows that this is not the greatest thing that He's come to do. This is one of the beautiful things that He does along the way. But He knows that He didn't come to save and heal one man. He came to save and heal His people, His bride, us. Listen, this story doesn't stop 2,000 years ago. This story continues on that we, in our flesh, are sinful people. And you can look and you start reading about leprosy, start thinking about sin, and the parallels between the two are just crazy. The deadening that happens, the lack of feeling as, as it grows, our inability to see it, Like those are all things that are true of both leprosy and of sin. But Jesus heals the leper and he comes to make atonement for sin. You see, the great high priest came because there's a penalty that's due sin. If God is holy and just, and that's what we want, we want a holy, just, good king. Then that means that sinners, rebels, deserve penalty. That's us. In our own hearts, we are sinners and rebels. We want to control. We want to rule our own, our own time. We want to tell God that we, we can do it without Him. That was Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. They, wanted, they said, no, we don't need to listen to God. We can do it without Him. And so since that moment, since the fall, we've been saying the same thing. So there's a, a penalty, a punishment that is due us. The penal substitutionary atonement says that in our place, Jesus came and took that penalty. He came, and that penalty was laid on Him at the cross. This Friday is Good Friday. I would encourage you to think about it on Friday. Don't make it just another Friday, but spend some time thinking about on this day that we celebrate. Maybe it's exactly the day. I don't know. It's not important. There was a day on a Friday where Jesus was laid on a cross and the penalty for our sin was laid on him. He was a substitute that walked in our place, took our punishment because we have a good and just king who would have to put the penalty on somebody and knowing that no one else could do it, he sent himself. He came as a God-man, walked perfect righteousness, looked at the leper and said, I will be clean. Looked at those that were broken. Looked at Levi the tax collector and said, come follow me. He looked and he saw the people around him and he ministered to him and then he went all the way to the cross and he was the atonement for them. That's huge. That was his mission. And so he says, hey, don't get excited about this. This is great for you. This changes your world, but I'm coming to do something that's going to change everything for everyone. And so he tells the leper not to go and tell anyone else. 
You see, Jesus moves and interacts with the ones that he came to save, but he doesn't forget the mission that he's on. He knows that I've come for much more than this. Mark 10, 45, we've referenced this a lot of times. He said, I did, the Son of Man, which is his reference of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what we're talking about. The atonement that he would lay down his life so that many lives could be saved. Maybe you've heard this before. I know I have. And sometimes I think, man, how many more times are we going to have the same sermon? How many times am I going to preach the same sermon? The reality is I need to hear this today. I need to believe that my sins have been forgiven, that my, me being unclean has been changed because of what Jesus has done, that he has called me unclean, that was unclean, clean. He says, I will be clean. And you need to hear this gospel today. You need to hear this good news because we've forgotten. And you know who else needs to hear this good news? People at the park, our neighbors, our co-workers, other students, right? We need to have compassion that would, that would move us to say, I have this good news. Can I share it with you? Not out of obligation, but out of worship to say, God, you are so good. I love you so much. You've been so kind to me. You've called me clean. You've changed my world. You've flipped thousands of years of history by making what was unclean clean with your touch. That's good news today. We need to hear it. We need to proclaim it. We need to share it. See, the Holy One has come and touched me, and instead of sin that entangles me dirtying Him, He's made me clean. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we just rejoice in the truth. God, we rejoice in the truth of Your Word. That You would change us. That You would make what was unclean clean. Lord, the, the leper and everything being restored to him. God, to be able to, to even go and sacrifice in the temple with the priests and, and to walk back into relationships. God, what a gift. But Lord, you knew that you were coming to do that not just for one man, but for the world. For your bride, for your church. Lord, and so you came and, and today we celebrate your triumphal entry as the king. But Lord, we, like those people, are just as fickle. Lord, those people that five days later would yell crucify him, we do the same with our lives. And yet you continue to change us, to transform us, to make us holy image bearers of God. God, you are kind. You are compassionate. You are beautiful. God, would you stir in us worship that would not be contained to one hour in a pavilion on Sunday mornings, but would influence every area of our life. Lord, would we make our, our big decisions in light of who you are and how we can worship you? Would you influence our, our morning ritualistic decisions? Lord, would we change? Would nothing be rote, but may it be instilled with passion for you? God, would you make us that people? God, so that this people would grow, so that there would be more people that would love you and worship you. We thank you that we can pray this with confidence, knowing that your glory is your desire.
Thank you for allowing us and inviting us to participate in that, Lord. God, may our lives look different today as we remember the gospel and, and what you've done, that you would touch what was unclean. And because you are God, because you are holy, it would be clean. We just rejoice in that this morning. In your name, amen.